Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Seasons of the Witch. This is May 31st, the last day of May. Ah. And uh, you are joining Raven and Stephanie Gramasi this evening uh, for a very interesting show. Um, It's actually very timely considering world events that have uh, recently taken place and a uh, current um, energy that we've been seeing that seems to be permeating um, you know the the world. Um, yeah, there seems to be a a growing trend of of just default negativity, and uh, so the, the uh, show tonight is intriguingly titled "Souls of Light, Hearts of Darkness." Where are we? Who are we? Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. But first, Stephanie would like to do some shameless promotion. <laughs> or shameful promotion, either way. <laughs> shameful promotion. Some really good promotion. It's always good promotion. Um, I just wanted to uh, say that we will be teaching a workshop um, intensive in Staten Island on Saturday. And um, I'm so horrible that I, I don't remember I don't remember the name of the store. I will find it before then. Please don't take uh, 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 Use that against me. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, the workshop starts at 1, and I believe there's still some spots available. Um, it is limited, though, I know, uh, space-wise. So if you're interested, I will give that uh, full information by the end of the show. And um, just when you thought it was safe, I'm back with a class on Italian witchcraft. Yes. <laughs> um, also, our, our course of study, Ash, Birch, and Willow, which is a overview of our tradition, is uh, today is the last day to register for that. However, if you're truly interested in wanting to be a part of that course, uh, just contact us and you know we'll we'll put you in. It's we'll not... sneak you in under the wire. So uh, all you have to do is uh, email us at ash birch at gmail dot com and um, just tell us what you'd like to do. Um, let's see what else is. The weather has been kind of uh, feeding this overview of, of this it's been kind of, of yeah, been gloomy. A little, little and, bit gloomy, but yeah. there's a um, sort of related to that. Uh, there's a lot of pollen and such in the air, and I, I have a little nagging cough today. Um, so excuse me if I tend to cough uh, here and there uh, during the show, but it's just a little allergy thing going on. Also, we have been granted uh, musical rights uh, to play the music from Spiral Dance, which is one of our favorite groups from Australia. 
Very good. And uh, tonight we're going to be spotlighting them um, at the breaks, at the half-hour breaks through the show. So. Um, All right. And we also got permission from a German band who we really, really love. Um, they were uh, called Fawn. I, I don't know if they've changed their name. Stephanie's nodding no. Um, but they're just an awesome band, and they've uh, graciously allowed us to use some of their songs here on the show. And um, I, I think you're really going to love it when we get them on. And I also want to acknowledge that the beautiful um, and musically, lyrically talented Jenna Green, uh, we use her song to open and close the show right. as well. Right. So She's I awesome. just want to give her kudos um, as well. And you can find the artists that we feature on our show on iTunes, and um, you can buy their right. CDs either directly from them, from their websites, or I'm sure you can get them on Amazon, you can get them on iTunes, um, wherever you can listen to them on Pandora. Right. And it's just such a cool thing that they're willing to do that. Um, they're doing it for free. Um, they're showing support. And, um, you know, they're being kind of what we're talking about during the show. These are souls of light. These are people who want to make a positive difference, and uh, and they're they're willing to share freely um, from their bounty, uh, and I just think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and start uh, talking about the show. Um, that's our okay. topic for tonight. Well, you know, we've uh, the, the basic message that we're we're getting out, and and bear in mind we're we're posing these as questions. You know, we're not sitting here telling people, you know, what what is and is not. We're just sharing things that we've been thinking about as we read a lot of what's going on on Facebook, on the internet, conversations with people in general. There just seems to be this growing um, negativity, a uh, uh, sort of a default setting just to be mean-spirited. You know, it's almost, I joke with Stephanie, I said, it's almost like, you know, you could say good morning to somebody and, you know, they'd snark back at you and say, you know, who are you to be a judge of whether the morning's good or bad? And don't you realize that in other parts of the world, it's not even morning, it's night, you know, and then just go on and on. And you just sort of sit there stunned thinking, what, you know, what was that all about? You know, and it just seems to be becoming the new normal. It's a concern. And we thought we'd sort of air it here and get your thoughts and feelings on it. And, and on that note, we are opening up the lines tonight for call-ins because we'd like to have people uh, chatting with us about how they feel and what they kind of see going on. Um, I believe that, of course, um, negativity comes from fear, and I believe that there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of fear-mongering going on, and it's generated in many different ways and many different venues. But I believe that what makes it relative for us within the context of our show, um, being witches of the old ways, is that our mainframe is spirituality. It's where do we come from? It's are we elevating ourselves through our actions and our words to a higher vibration or a higher level where we can look back down and be discerning and not judgmental where we can participate and not feel victimized. And I think that those kinds of things, judgment and victimization versus discernment and participation are at odds with one another. Um, and I believe that that the 
um, what are, I, what are, I don't know, I want to say that I believe that people have lost their way in being able to um, characterize those in life because there's so much feeding uh, going on towards those things, so towards the, the lack of discernment and judgment, towards judgment and uh, negativity and victimization. Well, it, it may be that we have collectively somehow separated the soul from the person in our day-to-day life. You know, certainly I think we probably will all agree that a soul or a higher self or whatever you want to call that thing, that, that immortal thing, um, really isn't here to engage in the bickering and uh, name-calling and berating, you know, that type of thing. I, 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 I really don't think that the soul came down here to do that, participate in that. So that leaves the other side of us, the human side. And do we settle for that? I mean, do we just say, yeah, I'm a badass and, you know, I'm a bitch and I'm proud of it? You know, is, is, is that in resonance with the soul or does it even matter? You know, um, you know, what's that all about? And uh, what is it we bring as a being, you know, a complete being? What, what do we bring to this life and to the lives of others? Uh, these are some of the things we want to touch on during the show. Um, and, and just pose them as questions for thought. The show is really about what do we think, how do we feel, and why, um, in hopes that we can better discern our place in humanity. So let's define a difference between discernment and judgment then, because I think that, well, I think that uh, yeah. definitions are always a very good thing, so sure. that we're on the same page when we do have a discussion, and that is uh, discernment comes from an introspection of a situation or a circumstance that you find yourself in, something that has happened to you or that you're exposed to um, that you don't react to, which brings us again to the idea of participating and not reaction to something, not a knee-jerk reaction to something where you jump right on it without any thought about it or introspection mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. I think that's where judgment comes from. That judgment is connected to reaction. That's why I yes, said that earlier. Yes, a knee-jerk reaction. Right, and often. Di- and discernment comes from a, 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 a time of looking at it in its holistic view. And then deciding how you want to participate or how you want to move or how you want to respond to that um, and taking your place in, in the cause and effect of any of your choices that you make. You know, having that personal responsibility and owning what it is you create by your actions and your words. And, um, and it not being situational. I believe that oftentimes um, people who are reacting and judging are become situational in their ideologies because in that moment whatever's happening that serves them rather than remaining integral to the character that they truly are does that make sense yeah i think it does you know i think you're right discernment is sitting there and thinking it through and trying to be more logical about it Judgment, I think, just comes from, I don't know, maybe some old wounds, some knee-jerk reaction or loyalty to someone else. You know, somebody 
who you like says something about someone else that is negative. So you just accept it as the truth because you like or believe in the person that just, uh, you know, said something negative about someone else without discerning it, without saying, well, you know, this person's, you know, angry. And so maybe, you know, we need to take that with a grain of salt. I think judgment is just like, yeah, right, yeah, you know. Whereas discernment is, well, hmm, I wonder, let me think about that. I, I think that that's the, the key difference. Yes, I do. And um, if anybody would like to call in and, and to become part of this discussion tonight, the number to call is 323-870-3856. Now, I notice there's nobody in the chat room, which means that I'm hoping that this topic of discussion um, is, is that the lack of people being there is because there's no interest in, in this, but it really is a very timely and thought-provoking topic. Um, at least that's how we feel about it, because we've been talking about it a lot. And hearing about it. We've, we've seen a lot of people on Facebook posing these same questions, and so fortunately the show will be archived and people can listen to it later. Um, so, you know, either way, I think it's, uh, I agree, it's an important topic and we will continue, uh, whether there's people in the chat room or, or not, and whether people call in or not, um, we will not be deterred. Right, of course, that's part of our gig. So, I'd like to start with um, something that is a little tricky to wrap your head around. I know it was hard for me in the beginning, um, but this came from my mother's perspective now. My mother was a little old Italian woman from Naples. She immigrated here at the close of World War II, and she had some very old uh, traditional views that um, was difficult when I was growing up because uh, she did not understand American culture, and when I would complain about things that happened at school or the way I was treated by people, uh, her advice often to my discernment at the time, our judgment at the time, um, didn't make sense. I thought it was outdated. I uh, I didn't find it useful, but actually it was in retrospect. And um, I later came to embrace some of the things she said. And one of the things she said, and remember, this isn't easy to wrap your head around at first. In fact, you'll probably resist it as I did, but I'm going to try to explain it. She talked about respect. Now, my mother was very big on that, um, respecting your elders in particular, uh, because that's the way she grew up in Italy. Uh, Italian tradition was very much about respecting people in the family and respecting them in order of age. The older the person, the the greater uh, priority for respect. So she once told me, because I would say, well, I don't like that person or I don't feel this about that person. And she would say, you don't have to. You don't have to feel respect for people, she would tell me, but you have to show them respect in your behavior. Now, that was difficult. What did she mean by that? And she went on to say that if you don't show respect to someone in a a situation, in a status, in an office, or whatever it might be, it's really a reflection on you and not on them. Because she said it shows a flaw within yourself, within your being. It shows what you lack and what you cannot bring into the moment. And you know, I rejected that at first, but then I, I thought of that over the years, and I think it really is something about us when we choose not to show respect to, like, you know, for example, 
not that this would ever happen or that I would ever desire it to happen, but if I was to meet, let's say, a politician who I hold strong disfavor of, I would be respectful and cordial in the meeting, you know, and, and still talk to them in, in, in a way that would be congruent with whatever the discussion was about. But I wouldn't show contempt and disrespect. I would try to show them respect for their office, respect for this moment, this opportunity, um, because that comes from me. That comes from my spirit. Um, and it's not overpowered by my disfavor for them. My disfavor doesn't color that and deter me and undermine, um, let's say, the higher view, the, um, the higher self's moment there. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, that's what I've come to believe, that uh, you don't have to respect somebody, but I think it's important to, to be respectful of the moment in which you engage with them. Um, because that's the only chance you've got, I believe, of swaying things or getting them to understand. Because if you attack them, the door is closed automatically. But if you begin a conversation with, can you help me understand why your position is such and such, I think you get a better response from them than beginning with, what's the matter with you? Why do you believe this? Um, that's not conducive, I think, to to a cordial exchange and an opportunity to learn, to make your point, to have it appreciated. Anyway, that's that's my little soapbox on my mother's view on respect. I think that's really important. I think that that also speaks to the character of a person that, um, again, going back to how is their conduct, how do they hold themselves, how do they you know, live in their everyday world, and is there a continuity in that? Is there a resiliency in in a character who um, has a hardship or has a challenge? You know, is that is that brought to the forefront? For me, that is the constant endeavor. You know, um, I know people can refer to me as a as a mamsy pamsy spiritual Tinkerbell, but. <laughs> That's my world view. My my view is that there's good everywhere and that my approach to everything is in that mindset. Sure, I am not a perfect person. Uh, I don't claim to be. And I um, do missteps myself. We all do. But but I do own them. Right. I, I do. And, and, I, and I, I try to be a better person through those realizations, through that discernment rather than me blaming or, you know, or lashing out. Um, and I find that, that often if that, if that is happening in a relationship with somebody, whether it's a friend or it's a family member or um, it's an initiate or it's a, you know, student, it's you <laughs> or it's you even, um, that... Um, Sure, in the moment it, it may be heated, but I would never say things that I would regret or that I would um, would not want said to me. I, I, well, I not, would not you, want those things said to me, and I would not say things to you that would be like that. You're not mean-spirited. You know, that that's the thing. And I'll, I'll say this, and people will probably just think, oh, it's because, you know, she's your wife. 
but she's also someone I've known as a human being um, for many years. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. We all have flaws. I have flaws. She has flaws. But I have never known anyone who works harder at being a spiritual person than Stephanie. Um, she chastises herself for failings or what she perceives as failings, but she continues to try, learn from her mistakes, and grow. And um, that's one of the many things I admire about her as a person, that she works harder at, at honing her spirituality really than I think anyone else I've ever known in my life. That's so sweet. It's just the truth. It's very sweet. Um, so this is a good segue into our definitions because I think we should define what we mean when we have the title Souls of Light, Hearts of Darkness. So I've actually written down the um, definition. I'm just going to read the definition for the purposes of this show um, as to what is a dark heart from what we're saying and what is a soul of light. Um, so let's begin. A dark heart is someone whose default setting is to think the worst of another person and to believe negative comments about them simply because someone says this or that about them. In other words, proof is irrelevant and accusations and allegations are automatically the truth. That's a dark heart. Soul of light. A soul of light is someone whose default setting is to try and see something redeeming in other people, to give them the benefit of the doubt. It is someone who discerns from a personally informed opinion as opposed to simply following someone else's opinion. Um, so that's the definitions we're using tonight uh, when we talk about dark hearts, and souls of light. So we're seeing um, a lot of really negative things, and, and some of them are generated by politics, and I think that this has fired up everybody, and I think it created such a polarity. Uh, yeah, and battlefield, I think, of opposition that everything else started to seep out. You know what I mean? It's like this has emboldened people, the political stuff with uh, Donald Trump and, 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 uh, and the Russian thing and, and, you know, and all the world summit things. And everybody has been emboldened on whichever side they're on, either to protest or to fall in line. You know, and, and then from well, there, well, yeah, I mean, and from there, I think the acting out comes like this guy that uh, in Portland, in Portland, who, Senseless, horrendous. who was harassing some Muslims and some people stood up for her or the, the two girls, I, I guess it was. And the guy ended up slashing their throats and killing two of them and seriously wounding a third um, because, you know, essentially he, he's a racist, but. He was arraigned, I believe it was today, and he's defending his actions by saying, you know, freedom of speech, that these people were interfering with his freedom of speech. Well, you know, that, that, that may be you know, technically so. You know, I mean, I guess he does have the right to say what he, what he feels, but I don't think that that then includes the right 
to kill somebody <laughs> who's opposing your view with their own view. Right. Um, you know, so I'm just saying I think it's emboldened people. You know, he he seems emboldened, you know, by kind of the, what I call the Trump philosophy, you know, uh, of bullying and, and uh, you know, this type of thing. And so a lot of people are coming out now and they're really active because they feel justified now that they have license to to misbehave in these ways. Um, and, and that's really unfortunate. Um, but then, you know, people defend, like there are people defending this guy. And then there's people, of course, defending, you know, the, the other side. And it's just interesting to see how people can fall into these and excuse the behavior of someone because of their ideology. You know, one good example today I saw, we had this thing where Kathy Griffin, um, Took there, a picture. there were photos of her holding a severed head of uh, Donald. Donald Trump with blood pouring down it. And um, she took, a, you know, a lot of uh, pummeling for that. And uh, oh, she took a lot of pummeling. She got fired from well, her job. Yeah, I mean, this with is, CNN uh, right. New Year's Eve with Anderson Cooper. Right. You know, but this leads me to the thing where, you know, people will excuse or, or justify you know, behaviors because of other things they think about the person. You know, I'm reminded of like when Trump goes off or he's, he's bullying or he's saying things that are bizarre or whatever, uh, his supporters say, oh, that's just Trump being Trump. Mm-hmm. You, you can't take him literally. You know, so they excuse it. And, oh, you know, he's a nice guy. I know him, you know. He, um, and, and so that somehow justifies um, this idea that he can say whatever he wants and just don't take him literally. Or Kathy Griffin, oh, you know, she's just a comedian. She was trying to be funny, but she went too far. And hey, you know, she apologized anyway. You know, as if the apology in and of itself just, oh, okay, then, you know, that didn't mean anything. Let's just let it go. Um, you know, and again, I'm not saying this is our position here on the radio show, but I'm saying, but what are we doing? What are we thinking collectively? Is this okay? I mean, that's my question really to the, to the listening audience. Is this okay then? Or, or should we be feeling about this in a different way? You know, I mean, I go back and forth. I have a, a Gemini rising, so I guess it <laughs> sort of makes me bounce around on these mm-hmm. ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I would like to hear what other people think. Is, is it okay for people to go off and do her, heinous things and say vile things and then it'd be okay because they said they were sorry or somebody said, oh, that's just the way they are. You know, they don't, don't pay any attention to that. They're really sweet, you know, when you have them in, in your house, you know. Um, well, well, that's one of the reasons why uh-huh. we've been, that was one of the impetus because we've been talking about this for some time. Raven and I have been, I mean, and it's mainly that the news is just like, wow, um, how is this, how is this acceptable to people but then you look at it and you see that it's we're saying that from our own perspective, that it's how we're interpreting what's going on as well. And um, and considering, as Raven, I think, said earlier, is, is the sources. What are the sources? Are we informed enough or are we having a knee-jerk reaction to that right. too? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to ask ourselves oh, that Oh, sure. We, we do. Yeah. Because um, that's a very important thing. Is it, it's an informed opinion. What do you actually know about what has happened? And then the question is too: is how is that impacting your life? 
how much how much of that do you own and how much of that is something that you know you want to get involved in or you feel you know you need to have uh, some kind of say in right and um i wonder as well although thinking about it with the politics is is what we see on Facebook a generational gap for you and I again? I mean, we, we and I go over this and over this, and, and we do talk to um, our friends, our associates, and uh, family who are in our age bracket, and we ask, is this generational? Are we, are we like looking, you know, from our point of view back to the younger people and not really understanding how they're how they're working, how they communicate, how they, mm. you know, that it doesn't really, that the way we interpret it, and it kind of goes back to the little thing about your mom and respect, mm -hmm. that that may not be the definition anymore sure. or the paradigm that younger generations are right. coming from. Right. That they're, they're not, that that's not even a consideration anymore. Right. That there's so much that has been thrown out, and now you have all of these fringe elements a fringe culture, a fringe language that is really um, hard to, oh God, I don't, I don't even know. It's, it's hard to decipher at my age to, to look at that and say, what do they really mean by that? Well, and then, but we then, we do ask younger people. I mean, we actually ask them to interpret things for us because yeah. we'll be puzzled and we'll go to somebody who's in their 20s or 30s and and we'll say, what, is it, what does it mean when people say this today? And then they'll tell us, and we're like, wow, you know, that's really different than the way that we thought it meant. Um, but it reminds me, I mean, each generation does have a different way of thinking. My generation was the hippie generation, and, you know, the way that we thought and the things we did and what we believed in were very shocking to the to the, the uh, to older generation yeah. at the time, the ruling generation. Right. Um, and yet, you know, we, we, we made changes, and I think that each generation does. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, casting out the previous generation's perspective, I don't think that's the greater wisdom. And I say that because what I thought, you know, I, I remember thinking when I was a teenager, how can my mother and father have lived so long and be so stupid? <laughs> you know? And it wasn't until I was an adult that I thought, oh, wow, well, no, they they weren't stupid. I was just being, a, you know, an ass. Um, and that a lot of what they said was very sound. And, and, and it, I saw it in my adulthood, and I saw the wisdom and what they were trying to tell me. I just couldn't see it as a teenager. It had no relevance. I wasn't living that life. But when I began to live the life of an adult, then I began to appreciate the wisdom and experience. That was my parents' generation. And so, you know, discernment, again, is a, is a huge thing. I think there, are, there is a use for elders. There is a use for the wisdom of those who came before us. It doesn't mean it should blot out or dominate our own. But I think if we dismiss it, um, we're, we're really losing something vital in our own discernment. Absolutely. Um, you know, so anyway, that's our little, my little soapbox moment. Well, Let's um let's take our first break and um, let's listen to Spiral Dance. And the first cut that we're going to hear from Spiral Dance is called Fairy Tale. So uh, hang in there. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment and um, enjoy this little fairy tale.
together an ancient song Waiting for the spring to set them free By oak and dash and drowing tree And they dance all night till the sun does rise And spread its beams across the skies Then they'll speak their secrets wise In the arms of the great stone circle And if we go around with a shin There's fairy folk who live within it Nine times round you must start to sing In the arms of the great stone And tonight's topic is um, really a discussion about um, souls of light and hearts of darkness. And uh, well, where are we coming from? You know, when we give voice, I guess is right kind of the core of what we're talking about. You know, um, so here's a question that that I have, and I would really like to get feedback on. What defines a person's character? Is it what they say and do when they are at their best? Or is it what they say and do when they are at their worst? Or is it when they are called to task for behavior? What defines our character? Is it the composite of our being? Is it the little things we do here and there? How does it break down? How do you judge someone or discern someone in totality? You know, what is the character? Well, I I do think, and I I mentioned this a a little bit ago, and I wanted to actually define what I meant by this, too, and that is situational ethics or situational integrity. Ah. And what I mean by that is that rather than it being a fixed idea within the core of the individual, because your integrity is really all that you really have control over. You are 
the one who decides again what your choices will be and what your words and actions are and that develops the character but the integrity is what's really behind it so is it is it a core solid integrity that you come from and it doesn't shift uh, when need be that's the situational part um, are you easily swayed to jump the boat when you're pushed, um, when you're called to task, does that go out the window? Or, or again, are you accountable for your actions and you come from that place of integrity that you know and have felt all of your life? To me, that is very important. It, it, that's, a, you know, that's, that's probably the most important thing. Right. Um, and, and, and as you say, looking at that, someone, you know, points out, you know, your own behavior and, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to go, oh, oopsie. Yeah, I, did, I, know, did, I, I never looked at it or, that way. Or, 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 oh, my gosh. Right. Or coming back and say, well, you know, you, mis, you misunderstand or you misjudge, you know, what my behavior was. You've colored it in some way that really wasn't right. what we felt true at the time or I felt true at the time. Um, but but it. I think everybody needs to check in with themselves. But what happens with what you just said, too, you, you touched on earlier, in that is, is that assessment of you, when you just said that, is mm-hmm. the assessment of your character in that moment who right. you really are? Right. Or is it the combination of all of those things put together? Yeah, exactly. And, and there's that old saying, that reputation takes a lifetime to build, but a moment to destroy. And we've seen that. You know, we've seen that with... Well, look uh, what happened to Kathy Griffin today. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or really anybody whose life has been devoted to, you know, service or whatever. And then, you know, say somebody for 50 years served as a, a priest, let's say. Uh, you know, let's take this mainstream. Let's say you got a guy who was a Catholic priest. And for 50 years, you know, he counseled and he nurtured and he helped people with their spirituality, helped them with their struggles, you know, was a blessing to them in their lives. And, um, you know, and then they find out, you know, years later that he had a, a porn addiction. You know, he, he was downloading porn. And, uh, you know, so then everybody turns their back on him. You know, that one moment destroyed all the good he had done for 50 years. But should it have? You know, I, I think I think about this often, and I think the Eastern philosophy, the Eastern mystic would look at that situation and say, wow, what a powerful man he must have been that struggling with his porn addiction, he was still able to deliver spiritually to his parish. He was still able to counsel and nurture people. He was still able to positively impact lives and make them better despite what he was struggling with personally whereas the western view you know the, the let's say american view i don't know if it would be strictly western or whatever but but i know in in this country a lot of people would then just vilify him and want to negate all the good he had done um, based upon this thing they found out about him and you know I, I'm not I'm not sure what what you know I think I would have used alcohol as a, well okay say he was an alcoholic but yeah. still that's a struggle you know that's a I mean porn I mean porn is just sex yeah but that but, you know but there's, sex, so many there's nothing wrong with sexuality I know but people infer things and they take it to another level when when that happens and that's exactly what happens is that 
okay, it was A, but now people have piled on B, C, right. D, E. Right. And put their own bugaboos on it. Well, okay, so change it. Say he was an alcoholic, and then people didn't like the fact that he had to drink so much, so they saw that as a weakness. Again, the philosophy still kicks in. He was he was very strong in being able to be a positive impact on his parish for 50 years, but now they found out he was a drunk all the time, so they're like, oh, well, that all goes in the trash can then. And I'm, I'm not weighing in on either side. I'm playing the devil's advocate, you know. What, what, is, what is it that destroys a reputation? Um, what is it that, that verifiably does it? You know what I mean? And what is it that maybe isn't really an authentic way of destroying that reputation? You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is the question. That's the question of the show. What is it that defines a person's character? Yeah. Is it the one moment in which people gasp at their behavior? Is it the collectiveness of, wow, you know, looking back at that person's life, you know, I see some really good things. Um, you know, what is it that really says definitively what the character of any of us is? Well, I think that... And are we judging or are we discerning? You know, I mean, that's right. really, we get back to that. Right. And, and, and I would say, too, that I think that in, that in the moment that if we are judging that there's something there for the individual who is judging that there you know to me people are a mirror to you in any particular um, way of looking at yourself um, when things happen that are hurtful to me and I can't wrap my brain around why is this happening or why did this happen? And I ask myself, what part did I play in that? And I try to really discern, you know, what what could I have done differently and what can I do now to remedy that? And there's so many situations that have come about um, in recent times, I'd say in the last five years, where there is no ability to address it because whatever's happened the the person that's involved in it is unreceptive to hearing another voice about it because it is so important to to be right to be justified to you know to be able to tell your story about it um with your facts without there ever being any discussion or, or discourse about it. Right. Um, that's what I find is happening a lot. For instance, I see that on Facebook, that something happens on Facebook. Um, somebody gets fired up and uh, somebody posts something and then all of a sudden you've got this total meltdown Feeding um, frenzy. Well, it, it's a polarization, though. It's not just one-sided. It's a polarization. But there's no good to come out of it because there's just there's this polarization yeah. going on. Like, well, it is a feeding frenzy. And yeah. the problem is, again, is that there's no sitting across from the table because there's too much... There's too much... Um, I don't know. There's too much at stake for... Well, I think people are, are very strongly invested in their side of the issue. And so, 
you know, um, it reminds me of the old saying that the first conflict, or the, I'm sorry, the first casualty, casualty. in any conflict is the, is truth. the truth itself. Right. Um, and then people take sides, uh, sort of ignoring the, the, the real truth about what happened and feeling justified in their view of what happened. And, and, and I, we're all guilty of that. Um, you know, but we shouldn't stay in the muck. We should try to, to raise above it. I think that's why the soul is here. I don't think the soul came down to, to roll in the mud. You know, I think the, uh, the soul came down to, to lift us away from this kind of thing. And what we're seeing a lot of, and, and this, you know, I, I, I try not to spend too much time on, on Facebook, but I do feel it's, it's beneficial uh, to spend some time. But what I see is a lot of people spend their time on Facebook Facebook, undermining other people, taking away from what other people do or say. You know, they just want to get in there and pop the bubble, you know, for... for Rather than supporting their undermining. Their right, well, that's what I was going to bring yeah. up, that why not spend your time supporting other people and encouraging, encouraging them on maintaining their work and their way and their character and their efforts, you know. If you don't believe in what they're saying... I mean, you can say it in a way that isn't an attack, but I, I think people today, it's the norm now just to attack somebody. It's not the norm just to share a respectful disagreement. I think people are moving away from respectful disagreements and just going in there and wanting to pummel people. Oh, yeah. And it's just an anger thing that's going on inside people where they just have to be mean-spirited and spiteful. Well, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense when we look at the holistic view that we are souls we are souls living a temporary physical life and is this really why the soul came here <laughs> to be mean-spirited and spiteful and berate people i mean it, 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 it just i don't know it, it doesn't make sense to me and so i i pose that as a question to everyone out there well what's this all about why are we doing this is, is it what we should be doing i mean is it okay and we should just snark at people and, and, and cut them down and undermine them and take away from them whenever we feel that they don't uh, match our own views? Um, are, are we here for something, I would use the term, better than that? Well, and, and unfortunately, again, I think that there's a lot of problem with perception. Um, I, I, I know you probably won't like me saying this, but I can guarantee you that there's plenty of people out there tonight who think this show is about them. And you know what? <laughs> it isn't. This is just about a general show. It's about, about all of us. Yeah. Not about it's anybody. It's not about anyone in particular. It's not about Trump. It's not about Kathy Griffin. You know, it's not about, you know, somebody, you know, who wants to make everything in the world about them. You know, this is a show in which we're trying to ask the question to everyone out there. What, what the? What's going on? <laughs> what, What's happening? What is this all about? Oh yeah. Uh, why are we? Who are we? What have we become? Yeah. Um, I I do think that um, part of of again the generational gap is if you think about it now, Raven. Hmm. At least, well, from children who are like four and five years old are now learning electronics, and so you have we have what people in their fifties who are the computer generation. So we're just 10 years, 15 years above them. They were, you know, a lot of them were raised on this 
type of programming, if I were to say, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean that in a lifestyle way, that computers became very much a part of their worldview. They used it, uh, and they still do, and we do, of course. But my point being is that growing up with all of that, that the disassociation with humanity, with, with, with a living, breathing being, is part of what I think this is about. Because when you're sitting behind the keyboard, there is, um, there is not only an anonymity to it, but there's also just a disassociation with the personal contact or personal connections with people. Like I said, that people don't realize how hurtful they can be um, when they say things and the perception is everything. Um, that that to, to the first thing that you go to when you read something is that you take it personally and that you react to it because you think it's all about something that it truly is not. And not only do you know we see that on on social media and all kinds of social media. In fact, today what the the president's tweet um, the the mm. that secret word that he used. I mean, come on. <laughs> Everybody, every, everybody's looking at that and thinking, what Co- the hell? Yeah, Kofifi. Kofifi, what the hell is that? Um, <laughs> well, what was funny about that, though, too, is that Spicer then tried to clean it up and say that it was a, a secret word, you know, that Trump uses for for a few people that will understand it, you know. Just the, the extent that someone will go, you know, to justify their bullshit is, is, is astonishing. But back to what you were saying, though, you know, the idea, too, I think is about physical protection, because whether you're behind your keyboard or you're on a cell phone or you're in a car, you know, these things change your behavior. You know, people will do in a car to a stranger what they would never do in their face. And I've seen people, you know, give them the finger or yell at them or berate them out the window, you know, on the highway where nobody can pull over because they know there's really no consequence. You know, they can just be the dark heart or, you know, whatever you know, is coming out of them at the moment uh, in a way that would have nothing to do with how they would deal with that person face-to-face. Now, granted, some people would deal with that person face-to-face, you know, because that's the kind of person they are. They're just, you know, going to do that. But most people would not. And most people would never say the things they say in person they say on a post or, you know, um, they would they would edit their behavior in some way. They would try to be more civil or more cordial. But we're seeing more and more people acting out and and doing really heinous things in person. Um, so that's part of the show, you know. Is that where we're headed? Are we headed towards unedited feelings? Are we headed to just being uncivil um, and just saying whatever we want and doing whatever we want to do in the moment? Um, you know, where, who are we and what have we become, I, I think, and where are we going, I think are all valid questions. Well, and, and is, is, has life become an effing reality show? <laughs> I mean, I often feel, I, I, I honestly, I, I feel like Trump thinks he's on a reality show. I really do. I, I mean, some of the things that he does, like the other day when I saw him, I, I digress, everybody, but I saw him when he was with uh, two military men, at Arlington Cemetery, and the Star Spangled Banner was playing, and he was standing next to these two stoic men 
and he was miming the words to the anthem and and you know kind of uh, swaying back and forth looking like a freaking idiot i mean that that is reality show stuff that, that this man has no sense of grace or honor or anything and again is this a demonstration to people that anything goes now I wanted to go back to that I didn't get to finish what I was saying about mm-hmm. the anonymity that mm-hmm. not only is that in posts on Facebook but it's also um, emails uh, going back to the electronic age thing that even within the context of emailing people that again you can't see or hear the tone of the individual, you can't see their face, their eyes, and when you read that, depending on what headspace you're in at the time you read it, I mean, how many times have I come to you and gone, look what this person wrote to me, and you come in and read it, and you go, what? And I go, they meant this, and they meant that, and he says, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, that's not anything that's going on no. here, but my perception, because of where I was at, in the moment, in the moment read it like that, mm-hmm. but here's the difference. I did not react to that. I went to get some clarity on it mm-hmm. so that I could better understand what was going on because I felt that I was not discerning it correctly. And so I did not react to it. And I think that's what I was saying earlier, you know, working hard on your spirituality. You know, you don't hunker down and become stubborn and insist, you know, that that's the way they meant it when you're when you're shown an alternative, you're willing to entertain it. You're willing to integrate it. Um, that's working on your spirituality. And we all we all need to do that. We all need to stop and check in with ourselves, make sure we're understanding what really happened versus our knee-jerk reaction to it, um, and uh, trying to be clearer. You know, it, it goes back to that definition: is your default setting to think the to give someone the benefit of the doubt and to think better of them. Think, well, you know, I know that person. I don't really think that that's what they meant. I don't think they were trying to be hurt me or whatever. Or is your default setting, yeah, you know, I, I knew it, you know, all the time. You know, it, it's about it's about that spiritual discernment. What is your default setting? Is it positive or is it negative? Well, I also think what, what happens, too, and, and you've seen this with the politics, is that there's a tribal um, unity going on right. that um, people jump on board Again, the polarization um, is big, and and I you know I don't know was this always going on or is this just because there's so much focus on social media, on tweeting, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, our phones. I posted this video today on my on my feed on my wall, and it's a little animated cartoon, and it's worth mm-hmm. watching. Um, it was amazing because. It really seems to be the fruit, I don't know, what do you say, the food of today or whatever. You know, getting old, I, I'm losing my, my ability to, to pull up the words I want to use. It's really frustrating, you know. That's why we're worried about getting um, dementia. Um, so I, I, I just feel sad. I, I feel sad when um, I feel I don't have, I'm not able to be heard in my authentic truth, that there's so much divisiveness, there's so much um, 
perception of pigeonholing and judgment and to what end I always well, I always I, ask you, Raven, to what end is this serving? To what why is this why? Why do people do this type of thing? Why well, are the dark hearts so mm-hmm. friggin' dark? What what is going on there? What serves that purpose? Well, I think there are, there are forces, you know, in general and in, in spiritual, also, and I and I do believe that, you know, we come into this dimension as spiritual beings, but this dimension is a learning place, and there is the light and dark of it, and that struggle. It's a classic struggle. It's been these are the classic epic tales of the hero. You know, the good versus evil. We see this. So why we root for the heroes. You watch a movie and everybody gets excited. The hero overcomes the villain in the end and everyone applauds and thinks it was a great movie. Because in that we, we hear a message that good can conquer evil, that you, it won't beat it. And so we feel within ourselves that, that we will not be beaten in the end. We will be the hero ourselves in the final uh, chapter of the book, in the final scene of, the, of our movie. Uh, we can be that too. And that's the hero's message. You can do this. You have this within you. Now, the darkness doesn't want you to think that that's true. It wants you to think that you have no voice, you have no power, you're easily defeated, you should just shut up and do what you're told. And uh, that's the forces of darkness. So they, they flow back and forth on us, and they appear in people. And everybody has that Everybody has that place. You can be a dark heart or you can be a soul of light. You can go back and forth between the two. I think it's where you stay, where you return to that maybe is the final look at our character. Do you stay in the dark moments? Are you empowered by that? You know, do you proudly proclaim, yeah, I'm a, I'm a badass, you know, I'm a bitch, you know, I'm proud of it, you know. Is that where your heart is? Is, is that the resonance of your aura? that you really want your soul to share? I mean, is that the energy you embrace and think is cool? Or is it maybe something higher? Is it maybe looking for your place in humanity, what you give to others, how you can serve and help uplift people, make things better, make your presence in the world and and people's lives better? Um, Do gainful things, do beneficial things, growthful things. I mean, is that where you return to? Um, is, is, is that a moment or things that, that culminate in your character? Which, which, which way do you want to be? What seems better to you? And I'm not telling you what's better. I'm just offering that out. Where, where do you park? You know, where do you park in darkness or in light? And why are you there? You know, and um, it's just a question, not, not a judgment. And I I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that there are the souls of light that I connect with on Facebook. And these people are uplifting. They're spiritual. They're asking these, many times they will be asking these same questions of us. And these are the people that that really need the support. Um, They have... Um, they have uh, temples to support they have blogs to support they have workshops to support 
and um, I'm going to name a few of them myself, and that is um, Selena Fox from Circle Sanctuary, Byron Ballard, who I adore and have great admiration for, um, Evo Dominguez and his organization, Christopher Penzet and the Temple of Witchcraft. I think that these are a few of the people who always are showing light in the darkness. And working for the greater good. And those are just a few off the top of my head. Um, yeah. There's many more. And, well, and there's many there's many people in the world who, who are light bearers, you know, and who who are what I would call a soul of light. Take, for example, those men whose throats were slashed. Yes. They're in Portland. You know, they put themselves at risk. They saw people being berated, and they felt bad for them, and they felt it was wrong. They felt it was darkness, and so they stood up for them, and they, they intervened in that moment. It cost them greatly, but the impact that that now has, to look at what these people did and what they sacrificed for humanity against this dark heart who killed uh, these people and who berated these, uh, these Muslim uh, girls, um, there are people that will carry the torch of light no matter what. And and that's where I think the greater good is served. Um, yeah. And and I saw that um, one of the, the, that young man, one of the young men who uh, did die in Portland uh, event, died in the arms of a gentleman who said that the last thing that he said was, tell everybody I love them. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. that just gives me chills just thinking about that. I hadn't heard that. that. Yeah, wow. I saw that quote, um, and um, that was just very... Yeah, yeah. you know, in, in, the, in the moment of all that aggression and violence, his last thoughts were about love. Isn't that astonishing? You know, we got a big... Oh, we have a thunderstorm storm rolling in. We yeah. can see lightning and hear some thunder, so that may be in the background. Of the show here. Yeah. Um, so we are a little over the top of the hour, and um, I think it's a good time to segue into another spiral dance song. And uh, this time we're going to hear Into the Green, which is very appropriate. So let's take a listen to that, and we'll be back right after that's finished. Stay tuned. I'll find you, I'll find you, I'll seek you. 
so while we were listening to that song, this huge storm has moved in, lightning, thunder, and hail, and it's right on top of us. So um, it's never wise to be on electronics when uh, there's this kind of a storm around. So we're going to close early tonight. Um, so Raven, um, I, wanted, I wanted to just say real quick, the name of the store where the Italian Witchcraft Intensive will be on Saturday, June uh, 3rd, is the Zen Trading Post in Staten Island, and it's at a 1600 Richmond Road. And um, there's, like I said, there's still some spaces open. Uh, if anybody's interested in coming on down, we'll be uh, we'll be making um, the beginnings of a Nanta bag. We'll be doing a guided image journey as well as. Uh, giving you lots of information about uh, Italian witchcraft. Yep. So uh, join us if you can. Yep. And, uh, join us if you can't, even. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so, Be there in spirit. so let's talk about... Um, yes, let's talk about uh, finishing up. Yeah, I think we'll close out um, the show on um, kind of a personal experience that I had, which I'll just share for your discernment, not judgment. Um, some of you may know that um, last year I had a diagnosis which was supposed to be terminal. And I was in the hospital dying about uh, 15 months ago. <clears throat> and they thought that that was the end. The doctors couldn't turn anything around. And I met death in that situation. I had an encounter with what I believe was death. And what was interesting to me is in the moment of standing there facing death and on the edge between life and death, knowing that I could step over at any moment, what occurred to me was what was actually important. And it wasn't my Facebook status. It wasn't my Facebook personality. It wasn't even my career. It wasn't all the books I had written wasn't the nice home that I live in, you know, wasn't the beautiful wife, you know, who shared a, a good portion of my life. It, it, it was greater than that. It was how I was loved and how I had loved others. That seemed to be the only thing that mattered standing on the edge. The resonance, what you vibrate as, is really about how people feel about you both positively and negatively. It's about how you loved or failed to love. It's about how you were loved by others or how others failed to love you. Um, but it's really, it is really at the end about that love energy. And I firmly believed in that moment that whatever my resonance was, if I was to have stepped over into the other world, into afterlife, into death, I would have been drawn into an experience that was the same as the vibration that I carried with me. It would draw me to that experience, good or bad, or what I might discern as good or bad. Not punishment or reward, simply energy for energy, matching. And, you know, I was reminded uh, of uh, a lyric from the uh, one of the Beatles songs that goes... And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And I thought about that. And um, so, again, you know, it boils down to what is it we carry with us? 
when we cross over. And does this impact our experience of the afterlife? I mean, does it matter? Does it matter how we lived our life? Does it matter how we treated people, good or bad? Does any of that really matter? Or is that just, you know, something religions want you to believe in? And you should, are we free to just do whatever we want at whatever cost to other people? Or does it matter what that cost is to other people? These are questions. And I, I kind of leave you with that. I know I had my discernment of moment when I faced my death. And, and I think you will as well. And it's just something to think about on the road uh, before you get there. Yeah, I think that those are fine partying words for this evening. And we hope that you'll join us again on June the 14th. That'll be the next show. And we'll be posting about our topic. If you have any uh, comments, you can post them to our personal pages on Facebook because we don't have any comment sections open on Seasons of the Witch. Um, but we'd like to hear from you. Um, so be nice. <laughs> so <laughs> something of light. Yeah, something of light. So with that, um, our parting words are, "Blessed be." Blessed be, and look for the light, and share the love. That's the most important thing. Trust me. And with that, the great oak speaks from spiral depth. And from the greenwood witches. May the forest be with you. Good night, everybody. Die when the seas return
the veins, the head and the heart, the earth, the roots, the leaves and the fall. A dozen generations has the oak tree grown. The roots reach deep to the rocks and Yeah. 